Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrapped SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. And hi, I'm Rick. I'm the founder of Leg Up Ventures, which owns and operates software companies that empower underdogs. Today, we're going to talk about how to think about a second product. After 10 years with just one product, my company is thinking about launching another one soon. And so we'll talk about all the things I should be considering, like pricing, positioning, and even the basic question of whether or not it makes sense in the first place to branch out into another product. But first, I should mention that we have a special guest this week. We're joined by Ben Orenstein. Ben is a co-founder of Tuple, which is a remote pair programming app. So it lets programmers write code together, even if they're not physically in the same place. You can check that out at tuple.app. That's T-U-P-L-E dot app. He's also a co-host of the Art of Product podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts. It was a major influence in what we're doing uh, and why we're doing this podcast. It's really great having you here, Ben. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm psyched. That was a great intro. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I've heard you talk on your podcast about how you uh, prefer when the host intros the, the guest. So you know, yes. I'm learning all kinds of things here. <laughs> well, props for doing that. That's a great way to start off the podcast. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, I guess just start out. How, how are you doing? Uh, what, what What's new with you? <laughs> I thought I thought for sure you were going to say, so just to start out, why don't you tell us who you are and what you do and <laughs> yeah, give us a little tell- background. <laughs> Um, um, I'm sorry, what was the real question? <laughs> uh, the real question, well, so normally we, yeah, I guess let's start with just kind of the format we normally go with here. Normally you'll spend maybe 10 minutes uh, between Rick and you and me just kind of giving updates um, yeah. on what we've been working on. I know you're familiar with that. And then uh, we've kind of got a topic for later in the episode to, to kind of talk about pricing a little bit. So let's start with the updates. Um, totally. I don't maybe, how about this, Rick, do you want to get started? So we've kind of yeah, got I, a- I can do it. So <laughs> Uh, Ben, I, I haven't met you before and I'm, I didn't listen to podcasts before we started this podcast. So, oh my goodness. uh, Yeah. So I have discovered a whole new world. Um, but I don't know you nearly as well as Tyler. It seems like I've, I did a little bit of research, but you, you don't have a bio written anywhere. It seems like, huh? Uh, that sounds like something that might be true about me. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, so I, 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 uh, I don't know much about you, uh, but, uh, um, I, um, one thing I've been working on is um, uh, I, I ran a company for a while, um, about 12 years. That's where Tyler and I met in the early days. And I just got, I actually got fired a year ago, uh, which was mm. awful um, in a lot of different ways. But I'm just, it's been about a year and I'm starting to uh, get my, my legs under me again and, and start uh you know, doing some entrepreneurial things. One of the things I'm not technical, so um, I was more on the business side. Tyler likes to say I was all businessy, um, <laughs> uh, but I do. I actually went to Duke and I have a computer science degree, so I, I'm actually trying to teach myself how to code right now. Um, and one of the things that I'm working on is a health insurance app that uh, lets a consumer, you know, basically take more control over their own health insurance and understand it better. Um, and, uh, so I've been using no code tools to build MVPs and really testing how I can, you know, use these, uh, less, co- you know, co- less sophisticated tools to, to get some market feedback. But I ran into a huge roadblock this past week with HIPAA. Um, and some of these no code, uh, projects, um, just don't support the, t- the level of privacy I need to be able to work with some of the data that I'm going to be exposed to. So I'm, you know, I don't know if you guys have any ideas on how to work with through that, but that's a huge roadblock I'm working through right now. And it's causing me to go back to learning how to code, uh, <laughs> you know, with actual, um, coding languages. So 
that's one thing. And then the other thing is, uh, I, I sort of, I write a lot, um, and I've been taking a break from that, but I started writing every morning this week at ricklandquist.com. And that's been really, really nice. I forgot how much I love waking up at, in the early mornings and talking about and just kind of talking to myself and, and getting that out into 500 to 700 words. Yeah. Can I ask what your goal is with the writing? Cause you've got like a lot on your plate right now as it is. Um, so I think one of it's just a habit, um, that I, I know that like, there's a few things if I do before 9am that it doesn't really matter what happens in the day after that. I'm just happy. Um, one of those is working out. The other is writing or, or in reading and learning and writing is a I read, I can't remember where I read this, but everyone has their own creative outlet where they, they learned through that expression and writing is that for me. Hmm. So, so it's, it's not so exercise. much like marketing something or anything like that. It's kind of, no, I think that's secondary. Growth. If it turns into an, if I can leverage it into an asset of some kind, that's secondary. Um, uh, but, but obviously not going to ignore that if it's, if it's an option. Yeah. Cool. Ben, I'm interested. I know you're a coder. Do you have have you worked with no code stuff before or HIPAA stuff before? Uh, no to both, actually. I keep seeing, it seems like the no code stuff is getting more and more sophisticated. So I, I my initial response was like a, to brush it off and be like, oh, you can never really build something sophisticated with these tools. But the more people I see interacting with it and talking about it, the more I'm like, am I wrong here? Maybe this is more of a thing than I, I thought. Yeah. As a programmer, I kind of want it to not be a thing like mm-hmm. out of weird selfishness but it i've seen some stuff rick's built and like yeah you can you've made some some real not like super sophisticated but some real web apps that could help with some kind of business workflow or that type of thing right oh yeah and uh i was ama- i'm amazed but there's, there's always these little limitations that make it like make me go okay this is good enough for a prototype and maybe validating an idea but not good enough to mm. feel comfortable taking a lot of people's money mm. Yeah, Tyler, over over the long term, I feel pretty good about our job prospects. Yeah, (laughs) agreed. It's (laughs) it's, it's also just good to see like more people able to at least take on part of like the superpower that is being able to build custom Mm -hmm. software. Yeah, it'd be really interesting if it ends up being a gateway into way more people learning to code. Like you Mm -hmm. hit that ceiling and you're like, okay, well, now I actually want to make it exactly the way I want it to be. Totally. Yeah, I could see that like that that taste being kind of enough to get people over the pain threshold of of actually learning the, the programming. Mm-hmm. So Rick, for the for the no code stuff, I I wonder with the HIPAA constraints, could you build a prototype that does what you need it to do, but just don't put any data in there? And yes. like, could that validate it? Yeah. So I'm I I, I need I can do ten percent of what I was hoping to do, which is enough to validate the idea. But but I'm I have to spend I'm gonna have to just invest a lot more time into actual actually learning how to do some of the the coding stuff with whether it's AWS or whatever HIPAA compliant mm-hmm. system I use. So, but yeah, I've, I've, uh, I basically just trimmed down the initial offering to allow people to still sign up for it, but basically exchange information with me in a, in a private, uh, chat. Gotcha. Cool. So the real question then is like, once you get this prototype built, do you learn to code to take it into the HIPAA realm? Or is that the point where you say, I'm going to like bring someone else on board and, you know, all that stuff. Well, the nice thing is I have a a lot of, uh, I've developed some relationships with some coding mentors. So I'm actually having a working session with a guy, uh, his name's Kyle, but he, um, he is someone who is mentoring through me learning. And I'm I'm hoping that that relationship turns into something more eventually. But, Mm. 
I'm kind of, I'm looking at it as, as a secondary, um, option. If I get to validation, it's likely I'm going to need to bring someone on. Biggest thing for me is I'm scared to bring on the wrong person. Um, and so relationship development is what is how I'm dealing with that right now. Hmm. What about you guys? Um, what are you guys working on? Yeah. Ben, you want to, <laughs> you want to give an update? Yeah, sure. Um, so a couple things in flight right now. So I have two co-founders, so we're all kind of working on things right now. Um, we're actually just, we're doing some testing on a release that we're about to push in the product that I'm pretty excited about because, um, it changes. There's no new visible features to users, but the app should just use way less CPU, mm. which for nerdy tools like ours actually kind of matters. Like our, our customers are programmers. And so they actually care about CPU usage and like they pay attention to it and they complain when it's too high. And we have figured out some changes that I think are going to basically have the pro like it still performs just as well, but uses less CPU for us businessy awesome. people. What does that mean? Uh, it taxes the computer brain less. And so ah. it doesn't heat up. Like, you know, like sometimes you do a thing, like you jump on a call or something and your fan starts spinning and mm-hmm. your laptop gets really hot. Less of that. Oh, makes sense. I yeah. love performance improvements because it's the only thing you can be sure no one's going to be mad about. Like any <laughs> yeah. other change, someone's going to get cranky about it. Totally. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it was like kind of a, a, an easy win for us too. It's like we had this sort of idea for how to do it and it was only a couple of days. So that's, that was great too. Love shipping like things quickly. It's great when like you go from idea to, to out the door pretty fast. Yeah. Um, so we got that going on. I'm also more on my side. So I work on the more on the sales and marketing side. Um, and, uh, I am currently, um, basically spinning up a new, more sophisticated way of onboarding our customers. So we have kind of the stereotypical or pretty common, like onboarding sequence of like, we send you a certain number of emails when you sign up and we try to get you to like, learn how to use things and and get you to do stuff we want you to do. And I'm moving more towards a, like, uh, more intelligent series of emails where it's like okay if they've done this but not this email them about that thing but not the other thing and try to be more uh intentional and actually send less email but make it more targeted cool what what tool are you using to send the emails tbd uh, i'm in a trial right now for user list um which is started by some bootstrappers and i'm giving that a spin we'll see if that goes uh well if it does i'll probably stick with them uh but if not then i don't know intercom is also kind of on my list customer io is is also there uh, I'm a little bit torn between like supporting the hometown um, bootstrapper friends and like going with something a little bit more established with more of a team behind it. It's like interesting yeah. trade-offs in that decision there. Yeah, we uh, less knowing serum. We switched to Drip literally the week that the whole internet got mad at them for the pricing changes and everything. So uh, I, I'm actually pretty happy with it, but like uh, we definitely didn't get on it get on it with like the confidence of yes, this is the tool for the long term. Yeah, totally. We're actually coming off of Drip. Um, and it's less about specific problems and more just their positioning has changed. Like the thing, like the they, the tool is now an eCRM, they say. And I'm like, well, I'm not an e-commerce anything and I don't want a CRM. So I guess eventually our, like it currently actually fits our needs pretty well. Like you can do the, the things that I want to do with, uh, with Drip. But just the fact that they're like, they're telling me like in the future, we're going to migrate away from like being for you. And yeah. so I'm I'm, I'm taking them at their word. <laughs> yep, that's the exact concern I've got too. So I'll be interested to hear what you end up going with. Mm-hmm. Um, but cool. Uh, yeah. As far as uh, for my updates, we um, Ben, you're not aware of this, but I've been talking every episode ever about uh, there's this big redesign we've been working on this entire year. 
Um, I say redesign, it comes with a lot of features and stuff like that, kind of a new major version bump basically of our software. And so we, we quote unquote launched it this week, which was cool. Uh, it came with absolutely no fanfare because by launch, what I mean is new users signing up, get the new version. Uh, old users have for a couple months now been able to switch whenever they want. Um, new users don't know to be th- that anything's different. So like no one's emailing us like, oh, this is great because they had nothing to compare it to. But internally, it feels really good to have that milestone passed. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't like it, it. It's so hard to tell if it works or not. Like we can yeah. see basic well, metrics are people logging in and stuff, but what was the motivation behind the project? Um, a few. So we're pretty old for a bootstrapped SaaS company. We're 10 years mm-hmm. old at this point. The last major redesign was in 2012. Uh, we have a very conservative customer wow. base mm-hmm. where like they do not want change. So I'm very much of the opinion, don't redesign stuff all the time just for the hell of it. But uh, it was really looking long in the tooth. I think people, new users would sign up and say, can I really trust this company that looks like it was designed 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. The other big thing is it was designed pre like responsive, like responsive tech existed, but there wasn't an expectation that people would use a CRM from mobile back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the design language didn't translate well to mobile. So we want one design language that we can use on both sides. So that was the other big inspiration. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Not, not yeah. a lot has really fundamentally changed, but yeah. Right. So that, that, is, that does sound like it's hard to like quantify whether or not that project worked. Yeah. If it doesn't get worse, I'll probably call it a win. Because um, yeah. I think it, it puts us in a better position for the next 10 years. But yep. yeah, it's, you know, it's a little nerve wracking. 10 years is a, that's a solid run. Yeah, well, it's sort of 10, sort of six. We we were like working other jobs and stuff for the first four, but the product launched about 10 years ago. And then six years ago, we kind of went full time with it. That's so. cool. We're coming up on like our first uh, year of actually with customers uh, in a few months. And it's kind of crazy. Like we were uh, looking back on like our journals from a year ago. It's like, wow, like a year ago, we had no do- no income, no dollars, no basically no product, zero mm-hmm. customers. It's like... It's uh, it's been really, it's been great actually. It's this is a fun time. Yeah, it, it's very impressive that in one year you went from that to. I mean, you are all full time and like replacing a market rate salary. It seems like. Yep. Yep. That's true. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been pretty fortunate. It's it's gone well. Yeah, I uh, I kind of wondered because you've done this type of thing before a little bit, right? Do you think it's um easier now than it was, you know, five years ago? Uh, I don't know. Um, it's probably, I mean, probably slightly yes, because there are more off the shelf tools that you can build on top of. Mm-hmm. So there's fewer pieces you have to build yourself, I would guess. But I don't know. I feel, I feel like my own experience biases my opinion on this so heavily that I can't really make a sort of impartial. This is easier than it was before. Yeah. I, the reason I ask, like, because Rick's starting something new right now, and I feel like all the experiences I have from 10 years ago are almost irrelevant at this point, because some things were harder, some things are easier. But like, I made a CRM, which is a pretty competitive market, and it was just awful. And people still signed up and used it because there wasn't that much out there. And you just can't mm-hmm. do that anymore, I don't think. But mm-hmm. there's other benefits, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's hard to say. Overall, I don't know. I, I think it's it still feels like a pretty good environment to build stuff to me Mm -hmm. like there are more people every day that are becoming internet people or like connections are getting faster people are getting more computers 
feels like the, the the opportunity expand is expanding more than the competition is rising to meet it. I think. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I I think like doing what any existing SaaS company does, but speaking Portuguese, is mm. that's a business right there. Like you've got Brazil totally. all of a sudden. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, we're actually doing. That's our play with Group Current. I have a company in Park City, Utah. It's basically a community management uh, company, and we're we're basically just we we looked. At, uh, we did a ton of research on 60 plus member management software companies and we're calling it community management and we're starting as an outsourced uh, service provider and, and figuring out what type of product to build for a niche within that. And uh, people are willing to pay for it. Nice. You got a lot going on, Rick. Yeah, I'm, I, I lack focus right now. And I think, I, <laughs> I think it's, a, I think it's good right now, but I think over the next six months, I'll uh, hopefully narrow, narrow in on some things. Yeah, this is always a challenge for me. Like, I love starting new things. I get, I'm totally all about the shiny object and like the the possibility, the fresh possibilities of a new idea, like get me so excited. And it's hard for me to like just kind of stay focused and keep executing on the original good idea over and over. It's, <laughs> you know, it's 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 a challenge for me. And this is all new to me. I I, uh, I mean, I I graduated college, moved out to Park City to ski bomb. And then mm-hmm. fell into this company that Tyler and I met at that I ultimately became the CEO CEO of. And I know nothing else other than being a bellman or a carpet cleaner or some odd job. So um, this is like being able to, I may be just taking advantage of the time right now to not focus um, because mm-hmm. I know that yeah. once I find my baby, I'm just going to, I'm going to, you know, love it for 10, 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Park City, by the way, I have a ski vacation planned. Oh, what year? What month? Uh, February. Oh yeah, you gotta you gotta reach out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should. Let, we should grab a, a run. Are you good? Are you a decent skier? Uh, yeah, I do all right. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you look tall. Tall uh, skiers typically tall skiers. Uh, it's impressive when tall skiers can ski. <laughs> I I am tall. Uh, hopefully, I I do okay despite my disability. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Nice. Well, maybe we can jump into the uh, deep dive topic here. Um, so this is an issue I'm thinking about right now. Um, and it's basically generally pricing a second product. Uh, like I have a first product. Well, let me give a little context on what we've got right now. Um, so like I said, we're 10 years old about. Uh, our product has always been $10 per user per month. Um, I know a lot of people would say that's too low or whatever, but we're pretty entrenched in the kind of lower tier of the market at this point. Uh, and we've grown to 22,000 paying users. So we've got a pretty big customer base, at least relative to what we used to. Um, the plan from day one was build a suite of products. Our name is actually Less Annoying Software, not Less Annoying CRM. That's just the first thing. Uh, but it, we expected probably a year or two in, launch that second thing. And, you know, yeah. a year or Every 10 time. years, you get a new something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something less annoying. Yeah. By the time I retire, we'll have four products. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I think we're finally at a point where like our dev team's big enough. We can peel a few people, uh, you know, maybe two people off and launch something new. Uh, when I say a new product, I think the idea is it would be within the same app. So one login, one billing system, but it's like, do you want the CRM or do you want both of these things? Or maybe the other thing standalone, depending, um, most likely we surveyed our customers, did a little customer research. I think the thing that's low hanging fruit to get our current customers to buy something else is an appointment scheduler. So a Calendly type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we could grow it. We have a a lot of ideas beyond just appointment scheduling, but kind of starting there and building it out. 
So uh, what I'm interested in talking about is a like general structures for it's it's one thing to price one product, but when you're you have this idea that I want to sell two things to the same group of people, um, the right structure for that. I'm less interested in the number, um, but more the you know is it a bundle thing? Is it a la carte? What if we had a third product? Kind of general structure stuff to this, um, and then a, a few things that have kind of been on my mind to to consider here is like. Should we be prioritizing getting our current customer base to upgrade versus treating this as a channel for getting new customers? Um, should people be able to buy this new product on its own? Uh, obviously, all else being equal, it'd be nice, but is it worth the effort versus just upselling our current people? Uh, and then should we be thinking about a third product or should we basically just say, it took us 10 years to get to our second one. It would be stupid to like base any decisions we make right now around the idea of a third one coming out. So that's a lot, but those are some some different things to chew on here. Is is this is this product like done? Like you already committed to this decision? This is like a thing that's happening? No, it's not. Still, uh, okay. it, we've done a fair amount of like validating it with customers. We have not built anything yet. We do, I, I should say, one thing that uh, not all CRMs have this, we have a fully functional calendar with all of the functionality you get from Google or Outlook or something. So we're in a good position to build calendar-related tools, but we haven't actually started this second product, no. Mm -hmm. What's the motivation behind adding another product? Uh, a couple. Um, one is the unit economics of the business could get better. I'm. You could say just raise the price on the existing product. Um, that would certainly work from a... like If a private equity firm bought us, that's what they would do and it would work. Uh, we have certain other interests. And I, I take a lot of pride in kind of serving the low tier of the market that a lot of other SaaS companies don't care about. Mm -hmm. uh, so I want to be able to improve our margins without raising prices. And that's one way to do it, I think. Um, another thing is I, I do think that our customers, I don't know, I, I feel like software goes in cycles between everything being bundled together and then everything like unbundling and being a bunch of different tools that integrate together. And we're in a very unbundled phase right now. And I think a lot of value could be provided by going back to bundling here for for our customers who are not tech savvy and really just want one clean experience. But that's a fair question. Do you do you think that maybe we should back up even more? Oh, I don't I mean I I don't know, maybe. Like it's you did say like you don't want to raise the prices, but if you roll out a new feature and say this new feature costs extra money, you haven't exactly raised the price, but you kind of have. Like if you're yeah. Yeah. I the standard I was hoping to hold myself to here is basically if if there are standalone products that sell just this thing, I can call it a different product. But if it's like this is clearly uh, dependent on the CRM, um, that would be included in what's what we already offer. So, for you, example, if we add our yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. I was just going to say if we like add a little more reporting to how our pipeline reports work, I wouldn't charge more for that. But if we say well, now there's an email client built in. I think it's pretty justifiable to say that's a different thing. Is uh, do you have a way you're leaning right now in terms of if, if without any us talking about it today, what would you if you had to make a decision today, what would you roll out? So there, I, I'm somewhat torn between two possibilities. Um, one is just treat this new thing. Let's call it less annoying meetings. As it's a ten dollar a month product, just like the CRM. But once again, forget the number, but it's in the same ballpark as a CRM, and we just launch that as a separate pricing tier, try to make it more or less standalone, but really integrated in with CRM, and just build a second 
do everything we did over the last 10 years again with another product. The other one is build. There's a bunch of low hanging fruit where it's like we could spend a month on a really crappy appointment scheduler and another month on a really crappy invoicing tool and another month on there's all this stuff we could do that people would use just because it's built into the CRM and do something like pay 25 uh, a month total and you just get everything in one big bundle. I'm sort of torn between those two, Mm -hmm. but there may be other things I haven't even considered. I don't know. You know, I, I, people keep, I was actually, I just had breakfast with our head of product, um, former head of product. And we were talking, we had a lot of, uh, we were in the benefit space. And so we had this core product that reimbursed employees for health, individual health insurance, um, in, in lieu of group health insurance. But the market for that was limited in terms of growth because of a lot of issues in Washington, DC around the Affordable Care Act and the future of health insurance. So we, we had a, a vision for adding different products. One was education uh, benefits where you go out and buy a book or go to a conference and you get tax-free reimbursement for your expense versus maybe a traditional tuition reimbursement plan. We had an individual retirement account, retirement uh, pro- program you know, vision. We had, uh, there were a couple others around transit, uh, transportation benefits, and uh, um, I can't remember the other one, but uh, cell phone reimbursement. And, and we... We constantly wait, waited to get those out because integrating it within the current product was taking so much time. Today, we were literally talking and we said, man, we just wish we had created a website for one of those benefits and, mm-hmm. and marketed his own product just to test the validation like it was a new company almost before you know, trying to make it, tr- trying to figure out how to integrate it within our software. So my, my inclination is if I were you in your situation, I'd be leaning towards the other side you know, the side of let's treat this as a separate product and worry about integration if there's actually demand for this on a, on a standalone basis versus trying to pump up your, looking at it as a way to pump up your existing product. Hmm. Okay. So the flip side to that, I, I see a lot of appeal to that. The flip side is I think I could immediately get a few thousand customers if it's built into less annoying CRM. If I build, whether it's appointment scheduling or invoicing or an email client or whatever, if I build it standalone, then it's, com- I think, competing with other standalone tools and the, the bar is a lot higher for how good it has to be, I think. Mm-hmm. Also, if you, you, it seemed like one of your goals was to improve the unit economics of the business. But if you just start another $10 a month product, you don't <laughs> achieve that goal. Yeah, that's true. So if, good point. So if, if one person isn't using multiple products, I'm like just copying and pasting what I've got rather than building on top of it. Yeah. I also think it doesn't uh, take advantage enough of the assets you have. Like, I think if you have to make it standalone, you're going to have this weird thing where it's like, well, can we use the billing code? Can we use the this code? Can we like, mm. should we have separate, like, should it be on its own PNL? Like, if, I feel like there's probably a lot of like hidden costs that come up with like, oh yeah, we forgot how much we had already created in terms of infrastructure for the original business that we were relying on in our heads. But now that we actually start this new thing, it's like, oh, we have we need a lot of things. Yeah, good point. And something you don't know about the history here. Last year, I tried to do that. Um, I had an idea for a task chat thing. And we were like, this is too different from Lesson Learning Serum and started a whole different code base and all that. And yeah, it's good to bring this up. The reason we abandoned that was as we started marketing it, it was like, we're, we're starting a whole new company here. And mm-hmm. that's, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, just as a, a model that might be inspiration, um, I use bare metrics for analytics. 
-hmm. And so they charge a certain amount for like the core analytics product, uh, which is like, here's how much your MRR is. Here's what your churn is, that kind of thing. Um, And they have recently been creating products, quote unquote, but really they're features uh, and adding them to the app and they sell them separately. Mm -hmm. So it's like for an extra 500 bucks a year, you can get uh, dunning emails so you can reach out to people when their credit cards expire or automatic cancellation surveys when people cancel trials or things like that. And that has been appealing because like they sort of acquired us as a customer and we were like fairly happy with that. And then they were like, hey, we have this new thing and it costs more, but it's still, it's just another tab in the same thing that you're already paying for with the same credit card. Like, do you want to get this new thing? And like it, it, we like pretty successfully signed up and converted and became customers of those new things. And they're not really new products, they're just really new features. But I, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of like how they went about that. Like they, they gave it its own launch kind of thing. Like, like you know, Barometrics Recover is on Product Hunt and, you know, it, it has this whole, it has its own landing page and, and whatnot. But really, it's just another tab inside the product. It's like, it's like an add-on. Exactly. A, yeah. As a customer, do you, so one thing I've been trying to balance is like, do people get annoyed if they feel like I'm constantly upselling them everything? So kind of like a, here's one thing and you get a bundle of stuff versus here's a, an a la carte thing and every feature you want to use is more. Have you been annoyed by that at all as a customer? I mean, I think if you did it to me once every 10 years, I'd probably be okay with it. <laughs> sure. Fair <laughs> enough. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. I mean, I think there's there's probably a balance there. Like mm-hmm. one thing that I think is probably worth thinking about is like the core barometrics experience was good. Like the product is good without the add-ons. It wasn't like they were holding back vital things and like kind of crippling the or like sort of making the initial experience worse. Um, so I didn't, they were like, there's just this more goodness over here if you want it. Mm-hmm. And that 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 seemed good to me. So can I, if if I can build on that a little bit, one thing I you, you asked, what would I be doing? What like what would I go with right now if I had to decide? And I kind of listed two options. This is one of the big things that's uh, I'm torn between is spending the next, let's say it is the next ten years or five or however long it is, spending the next amount of time making another thing that's as good as our current thing. Or making an ecosystem of add-ons, ecosystems maybe the wrong word, but a bunch of add-ons that are like shallow but good enough to get the job done and having more different options. Why do they have to be shallow? Well, just in terms of like the amount of time, if we have a set amount of time to devote, is it better to focus on one thing and make it really good or focus on multiple things and they'll be less good? Hmm. And I'm torn here given that like, Normally, I'd always say go for quality over quantity, but this, the pitch here is we've already got a really captive audience that our customers are not savvy. They don't need like the best invoicing tool. They just need something to send invoices. In other, in other words, leverage um, the, the your core value proposition rather than feature, com, you know, f- complexity fe- and features uh, and breadth of features is going to be convenience. Mm-hmm. Basic, basic feature, for, but you get you know, in-app experience versus having to go to another app, the bundle yeah, approach. I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, I guess coming back, I, for some reason I had in my head that this might from previous conversations that this might be a customer acquisition tactic in addition to a unit economic play. Is it primarily a unit economic play? I mean, in a perfect world, it's both. Um, in a perfect world, we can, every place you can market a CRM, if you can also say this is an appointment schedule, you've got twice as many channels or whatever, but I'd say that's secondary, probably. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, that feels like an int- like a positioning challenge. 
like we have an app it does a and also b which is like kind of similar but not the same mm-hmm. in a way uh, yeah, i can't although, go ahead well so you, you said you did some research to figure out like okay appointments scheduling is the is the thing mm-hmm. um this so your your customers are saying like I would love it if it if it did this like I, w- I want to use it for this this tool as well or this purpose as well yeah so we we've surveyed people I've also had like one on one conversations but the survey was pretty informative we basically said a like here are ten product ideas what what do you want which I know is not like the best way to ask it so then the the other way we asked it is you know what do you currently use um, and then are you paying for it because appointment scheduling has a lot of freemium stuff where I was like maybe you're using it but you're not paying I think. Something like 50 plus percent of the people who filled out the survey are paying for Calendly or a pointlet or something like that right now. Mm-hmm. And it's such it's it's very difficult to differentiate yourself with appointment scheduling. Like I think it's a pretty well-defined set of features that it's like, I think they would use ours all else being equal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I feel like for this, it's one outcome or the other has to drive this. And it sounds like unit economics is the primary driver. In which case, the whole separate product idea, I kind of threw out the window that I suggested earlier. And I really like this add-on approach. Um, what is keeping you from like, I could you, is there a way for you to figure, I guess, if that's, do you disagree that that's the right approach? Or because it seems pretty obvious to me. Well, within add-ons, are you saying like a bunch of different little things or one deep thing? I, th- I don't necessarily, um, I'm not quite there to how to do the add-on, I guess. To me, it seems like this isn't a separate product um, type, you know, piece. This, you know, how to price it is going to depend on what you build. But taking a more of an add-on, much smaller pieces of functionality that have standalone value but penetrate some percentage of your customer base, is probably the right framework to think about this in um, mm-hmm. to start. Do you disagree? I mean, it seems like that decision is a good decision to make. Yeah, I think I agree with that. With the still unknown to me is like, let's say this, we we do a good job of this. Should it be built in such a way that one day the CRM is an add-on of this other thing? Like where either one could kind of take on a life of its own versus like the CRM is the product and these are j- like strictly just add-ons. It feels like if, if unit economics are the goal and, and you're going to focus on one thing, that's a yeah. worry about it later kind of thing. Okay. So it starts out as just however many dollar add-on to the CRM you're saying. Yeah, my intuition is that building another fairly low um, average revenue per user product and keeping it as a separate standalone thing is probably not worth the additional logistical organizational challenges Mm -hmm. versus saying this is a premium add-on for an extra five bucks a month using all the existing stuff that we already know and, and understand. Okay, I buy that. And yeah, I think that was probably my instinct. So it's good to hear that. Like, Maybe one day we people say this is the best appointment schedule I've ever used. You should make it available as a standalone thing. But the complexity of building it that way from the start would slow down the launch and all that. And most yeah. of our customers are going to be CRM customers anyway. Right. G- given these twenty two thousand people that already like and trust you and pay you money, I feel like 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 if I were going to buy a appointment scheduling tool from you, I would expect it to be ridiculously integrated with the existing CRM. To the point where it would make no sense to ever use it as a standalone thing because of how crazy easy like it shows up on the same screen or whatever like whatever it means to to be integrated like i would expect it to be you know completely yeah. f- first class and native 
So, so let me throw a, I totally agree. Let me throw a wrinkle into this. We also, in that same survey, asked our customers. So our average account size is uh, 2.3 users per account. We're talking about like the smallest of the small businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we asked how many of you have other employees at your company that aren't using the CRM? So basically non-sales customer service people. And it seems like uh, there's an order of magnitude more employees at these companies. So in terms of like having a growth channel, Another channel here is get more people at our existing customers, more users to use it because it's not just for salespeople anymore, which I don't think is uh, conflicts with what we're saying here at all. But that might be a way to kind of grow the customer base while still keeping it fully integrated in the CRM. Like the addition of this new feature makes it attractive to other people who don't really want the core CRM feature? Yeah. Uh, yes. So like if we built invoicing... Uh, no non-sales, like only a small set of people want that. But if we build a meetings tool, that's let's say it's more than appointment scheduling. It's like meeting notes and whatever else. You could imagine the whole company wants the meeting stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm getting too distracted here, though. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, it's, actually, I found myself wondering as we were talking, like, is any percentage of this just that like you're kind of bored and you want to work on a new product? <laughs> <laughs> um. The the last one was that the the product mm-hmm. I said we started and then killed it was that mm-hmm. um I, not not I wouldn't say that I'm bored but that there's a grass is always greener thing I listen to podcasts yeah. like yours I hear all these people with great yeah. unit economics and all that stuff and sure. um, I'm still like really really in love with what we're doing with the CRM but I will say like improving the CRM which we're going to continue doing and we're doing aggressively uh. Because we're serving really small customers, it doesn't really come with a lot of creativity going into it. It's like every feature we add is a slam dunk. It's like literally 2,000 people told us they want this. Hmm. We built it. It's easy, Um, which is nice in a lot of ways, but it also limits our upside somewhat. Like, I don't think we're ever going to get much like significant growth by just iterating on the CRM, for example. Hmm. Why? Um, because I think the, well, sorry, let me rephrase that. I think that if we just give our current customers what they want, what they want is everything to work how it currently does and kind of the performance improvement thing we were saying earlier, they, they want nothing to change. And like all the work goes into very, very incremental improvements Mm -hmm. within the CRM itself. Like if we were going after, like, let's go up market, we could say, oh, we're going to build automation. We're going to do this. That's not what our customers want on the CRM space. Yeah. This is probably a fair pushback, though, that, like, I do think of myself as a product person and I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, a thing I've been thinking about for myself recently just is, like, possibly just doing a little thing on the side just for my mm-hmm. own, like, new shiny kind of satisfaction. Um. And like, I'm not saying that's right for you, but like, I know I have this tendency and I think it's pretty natural as people that like creating things, like, especially I would imagine after 10 years, you're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to just start with a blank slate and, and mm-hmm. make a whole new thing. Um, but also maybe recognize that tendency and just make sure like, is this the right thing for the business and for our customers or like, or, or how much of this is about me and what, and what like makes me happy and not, not that your happiness doesn't matter. Like your, your satisfaction is probably an important like component to the future success of the organization so i I don't think you should discount it to zero but also maybe kind of just be aware of your own foibles perhaps yeah that's fair so uh are you comfortable talking about your own consideration of that like sure 
Um, do you think you're going to, how do you balance like the time you put into the other one versus your, your, yeah, yeah. um, I don't know. I'm sort of always thinking of things to do. So, and mostly I've been, I've managed to stay focused on, on tuple. So it's certainly possible that I won't. Uh, but like the things I think of starting are kind of small are like much smaller, uh, less time intensive things. Like maybe I'll make another course, like another video course or like, you know, some sort of thing where it's like an info product type thing where I can put some effort in and then it's mostly done. Um, and it's just, it is just literally like stuff I could like kind of sneak in around, in, around the edges, like do on the weekends and, and not, and it doesn't commit me to something for a long period of time. It's not like a recurring revenue thing where I'm, I'm going to have customers now and I have to answer emails and things like that. Yeah. But, that is, but I've never done of, an info product, but that is an appealing thing. Like you ship it and it's done basically. Oh yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So I, I made a, a course on, uh, refactoring rails applications, uh, a couple of years ago before tuple and man that's the best when you're done you are done and like you just get the emails that someone bought it and like i still get them and it's it's just amazing it's it's the, the, the best pure <laughs> income thing mm-hmm. per hour thing that i've done in i don't know maybe ever hmm. you're doing some of that right rick yeah um i think I, well i'm not i haven't monetization is down the road but like i see significant opportunities with taking some of the topics i'm covering and packaging them in a way that um, could be good for a course. One one of the challenges with courses, though, is I got, I think the best ones are timeless. So I wrote a book in 2014 called "The End of Employer Provided Health Insurance," and the next year, all the information was out of date. So, like, <laughs> there's no residual income from that. And if you bought it today and you were expecting it to be useful, you would leave a bad review. So I don't know if you've had you know any. Uh, it's kind of getting off topic, but. Um, I, one of the hardest things with courses that I look at is how do you make them timeless so that they do have time to build that residual? Um, in my experience, so with my course, almost all the revenue came in the first week. Really? Yeah. And I think that's actually pretty common for most educational info product type things. Uh, every so often you have a timeless home run in your hands and maybe it probably gets more likely if you try to make that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would bet that's an order of magnitude harder than getting a landing page up, get a bunch of people excited about what you're making, release it in a timed, uh, discounted window kind of thing, make, you know, some amount of money and then like expect it to fully fall off a cliff and slowly trickle to zero over the years. That's most yeah. content. Yeah. Did you already have an audience at that? Because I, I feel like there are a lot of people who want to do this stuff where it's like, I don't have an audience and I don't have an info product. And if you just make yes. the info product, no one will buy it. <laughs> Um, yes, uh, I did have an audience, um, because I've been doing things like info products, except they were free for mm. many, many, many years. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's the secret. I think quote unquote secret is everything's a hell of a lot easier if you start with an audience that likes and trusts you. Yeah. And this is one of my, so one of my challenges with like, if I were to, whether I do it in less annoying CRM or as a separate thing is like, I, what I want to do is build productivity software for small businesses. And the reality is no one is interested in following this. Like, I wish I wanted to serve startups or tech people um, because they want to follow the journey and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I sell to real estate agents and insurance agents, and they're not reading or totally. in any way consuming this content, you know? Well, you managed to find a lot of them anyway. So it turns out it seems <laughs> well, like your marketing chops are okay anyhow. <laughs> that's why I'm tempted to do this in Less Annoying CRM, though, I think, is like, uh, it would be tempting to say maybe, oh, people listen to this podcast and I could build something for them or something, but it's going to be hard to replicate the the platform of 22,000 small businesses. Whose credit cards you already have. Right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe um, the challenge here is getting more focused on, I think you're 
you could probably narrow in on some high level outcome metrics that you want to move, but then setting some, maybe we will not rules, uh, mm-hmm. to keep your, you know, eyes from getting bigger than your stomach. Like, and that should, those, we will not should be driven by who your audience already is. Um, so if you could figure like if you could find that you probably know who your ideal profile is, but if you could somehow like design the, like think through all the things that if you did them, it would go against what is best for them. And mm-hmm. then constraint when you, when you look at these add-ons, cons, you know, run before you build something, you, you think through like, is this, does this meet the criteria of one, the outcome and two, does it cross into any of these boundaries? And that would keep you focused. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think probably all the different things we're considering have uh, fall within those constraints. I think like we had a user conference a month or two ago and it was only 50 people, but like I talked about this with every single one of them and they were all like, yes, (laughs) do it. But they also, I could propose anything and they, like, I was like, well, what if we built better reporting in the CRM? And they're like, yeah, do that, do that. Um, I mean, these are your biggest fans, right? Yes, it's very biased for sure. It'd be hard to get like validated back from them. <laughs> yeah, they flew to St. Louis to participate in a conference about a product that costs ten dollars a month. So yes, they're unique. So, so in terms yeah. of going deep or going broad, my my inclination is to pick three add-ons you have a high confidence about, whether how you get to those three, and then build like the MVP of each of those come up with some sort of add-on pricing structure for each that you you think is good and just throw them out there uh, and see what happens. Um, and maybe even don't even build much, just like have a waiting list of some kind and see, you know, for what you know, play with different pricing structures and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like breadth here is, is the play versus um, trying to go deep because you're probably going to have like a 10%, 20% pickup rate based on what the user actually needs. Okay, so you're saying breadth because it allows us to offer more and more stuff which people use rather than I could see an argument for breadth being like that's a way to explore what people want and then dive deep into one of those. Yeah, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is um, you probably have you have 20,000 20, users. If you roll out the Calendly thing, what percentage of people, if you just penetrated the whole market of 20,000 users, would take it up? Mm-hmm. I would say I'd, I'd model out 10, 20%. At your best, right? Yeah, I yeah, so, I'd probably guess less than that at first, but yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, if you if you ha- if you wanted to get fifty percent of your users to buy some sort of add on at some point, you would absolutely need more than one add on to make that happen, because they're going to be niche use cases. Yeah, that's fair. What do you think about that, Ben? I'm actually just doing the math in my head where it's like if it, if if it does, if you do the build a premium feature and only 10% of people take you up on it and you want to charge five bucks a month, like, yeah, that's not huge. Like an extra 10K <laughs> MRR. It's like, do you even care? When I say, yeah, so I could be way off base here. My guess was probably, let's say it's $10 a month for an appointment scheduler, which is what Calendly is. Um, and mm-hmm. it probably starts out a little bit worse than them, but we have the advantage that it's built in. Probably I, a lot. Calendly is really good. I think people yeah, don't yeah. sleep on how complicated this product actually is. That's fair. I think. Um, I think probably the ways in which it's good are not useful to most of our customers, but okay. I, I, that's fair. We we use uh, a pointlet because Calendly wasn't powerful enough. Mm, um, okay. 
So we would not use the product I'm talking about. But anyway, mm -hmm. good point. We have a, a lot of ideas on how I think Calendly and Appointland and all the other ones, Acuity Scheduling, miss the mark. Hmm. One example hmm. being mm -hmm. none of them allow for scheduling more than a one-on-one -on -one meeting, as far as I'm aware. Like the whole model of here's a link, pick a time, only works for one-on-one -on -one meetings. I think there's okay. a lot of area for improvement. So I guess what I was kind of thinking in my head is we launch a mediocre Calendly for $10 a month, get 5% of our customers, and then over the years, that turns into an actual legitimate better product, and we get 50%. But maybe that's not realistic. Yeah, I don't know. Does that does that make you excited? Yes. I. If, if Less Annoying Serum went out of business right now, I'd start Less Annoying Meetings. Uh, mm. I think it's okay. it's crazy to me that there are every every person who works at a company, regardless of industry or anything else, has basically the same meetings as everyone else. And there's very little software to... There's like software handling little chunks of it, like scheduling it or something. But uh, I feel like building something that kind of owns the whole meeting flow, getting the video chat set up, getting the conference room scheduling handled, shared meeting notes in it. I would be really, really interested in building out that product. Hmm. <laughs> cool. I mean, then, yeah, that's that's worth something. I think the fact that you think like it, it matches with your vision, mm -hmm. like your, your own motivation is important here. All right, we're... We've talked about, I appreciate you indulging me this much. Let me ask a final yeah. question here. So you said yeah. earlier, maybe I'm just doing this because I'm scratching an itch for myself. Let's say I am. <laughs> Is it stupid to to do that, to say, I've got the 22,000 customer base already. What I want to build is serving these same people. And I think I have a vision for it. But probably the business doesn't need it. Am I stupid to even consider this? Uh, are you stupid? No, because I think your your motivation to work on the business is an important asset. Like if you get burnt out and bored, then that's not good for the business. I mean, or, like, or at least it means like you probably shouldn't be running it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so I think like we think about this a lot too, where it's like, okay, for us, we're we're much smaller, but it's like okay, we've crossed the point where we are not like we're we're sustainable. We make enough money that we can keep working on this, so we're past the existential threat. And now, um, we have the luxury, I think, of being able to say like, yeah, we can do A, B, or C, and they're all probably pretty okay for the business. A seems the most fun though, so let's do A. Like it's okay to optimize for a little bit of that. I think if you're you know paying the bills and you're not making other people's lives worse. Or like endangering the company or something like that. I, I actually think that's a reasonable. Like, it is important to the business that you like working on it. That's fair. Yeah, a lot of people. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. How is it? How is this different than your last chat app? Yeah, I've thought a lot about this. The difference is the last one we said this is going to be different enough from the CRM that it might be for a different group of people, and so we built it under a different brand and all that, and. What I'm committed to, if nothing else this time, is like, if I build something new, it's going to be so tightly integrated into what we have that it'll at least leverage what we've got, but I think it'll also serve our current customers in a way that the other one wouldn't have. Man, I, I, that makes a lot of sense. So this is different because you're focused on the same audience. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, 
Ben, to what you were saying, a lot of the the podcasts out there have been talking recently about like when is enough enough. Um, and every time I hear that conversation, my thought has always been you hit that, you, you cross that existential threat point and you've hit like enough. Money is no longer the thing that should motivate it, but that doesn't mean you stop being greedy about something else. Maybe it's about loving the problem or maybe it's about helping the world or I don't know, but I think maybe I'm trying to like figure out what to be greedy about next now that money's mm. okay. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and then like on that topic, like my response to that question has been like, I don't think there's enough in the sense that like I would be okay with a co- like a company that didn't do anything different. That wasn't like growing and changing. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I, I always want the MRR to go up because it's kind of a scorecard of how much value we're providing the world. Uh, and I, I want a more interesting, brighter, crazier, different future because that's what keeps me interested and and motivated yeah Yeah. okay cool well uh, i appreciate all your thoughts on this uh obviously pricing specifically was one of one part of a a much broader conversation but this gave me a lot to think about yeah go ahead let me just just quickly on the pricing if you're 10 bucks a month for your core product i think rolling out another thing that you say is an add-on to the product that doubles the monthly price will probably just feels wrong to me intuitively it's like wait is this make it twice as useful no it's an add-on okay so it shouldn't be twice as much right so i think you're probably looking at more like five dollars a month because now it's an add-on um which so your 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 low monthly initial monthly price is probably going to prevent you from pushing the add-on as high as you might want mm-hmm. so but, i've definitely but yeah late sorry one more thing but what later if you like if that as that second as that add-on matures and maybe you add another one maybe instead there's like a base plan and a pro plan and the pro plan includes scheduling and invoicing and whatever. And now that now, of course, that's twenty five dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. This is the way I've thought about this is like when we launched the initial product, it was ten dollars, and it was worth it was not worth ten dollars the way it is now, um, but it kind of grew into it. If we think it will be worth ten dollars, is it better to price it at ten dollars now and grow into it, or price it at five and raise the price later? Hmm. I'm pretty into aspirational pricing. I usually yeah. try to start high and then come down if I have to. Uh, but yeah, I, but I definitely I, see your just, point that it's anchoring the ten dollars anchors what totally. the add on is. Yeah, yeah, like just 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 intuitively to me, it feels like it's like oh, I'm paying ten and there's this new add on. It's also ten. It's like wait, why is it ten? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's not an add on. That's a new thing. Okay, so if it's positioned as an add on, it can't be ten. If it's positioned as product number two in parallel with product number one, maybe ten dollars works, but maybe 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 not. Yeah, maybe, that. but. Yeah, but I, I, again, I don't know. I think my, my position on that is like it shouldn't be its own product. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I'm sold on that one. Well, one okay. more thing I would add uh, in a different space is I would challenge you that your meeting passion is shared by uh, your audience. Mm. Um, so I think there may be like a percentage that could share that passion, which again pushes me towards the add-on thing versus trying to trying to go deep, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, I don't know. I, so I would, I don't know what the answer is, but add-ons are a great way to validate maybe some of your passions, uh, with, with the current audience. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of something cheap to start with, see, see how it goes and, and build from there. I, I thought you were actually going to take that a slightly different direction, Rick, and, and ask if the team was excited about mm-hmm. the appointment stuff. I th- like like em- the employees at, at Less Annoying. Yes. I think actually they are. Basically, anything that's more internal productivity focused versus external, like like 
the natural extension of a CRM is to build sales tools. And none of us want to do that because we don't have any salespeople. Um, mm. So anything that inches us more towards productivity, collaboration type stuff versus sales and marketing, I think people are pretty excited about. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I think that's that's important to think about too. What are your main takeaways, Tyler? Um, I think the, the thing I benefited most from, I'm going to go listen to this again, but is just kind of questioning... Is it for the margin? Is it for a new uh, marketing channel? Is it just personally indulging myself? And even if it is, maybe that's okay. Um, and then from a pricing standpoint, yeah, I'm going to have to put some thought into the right way to do it. But I buy that definitely the friction for the initial stuff is way lower if it's a lower priced add-on to the CRM, not even pretending it's a new product at all. Interesting. Does that sound like what I should have taken away from this? That sounds great. Okay, awesome. Uh, do you have anything else to add, Ben? No, I, I think I've said my piece. Well, special thanks to you for, for joining. Yeah. My pleasure. Do you want to give a useful. shout out to, I mean, I kind of introed your your app and podcast, but where can people find you? Anything you want to promote here? Um, Sure. I mean, we make an app for remote pair programming. So if you're a programmer and you pair program and you want to do it remotely, uh, we have a pretty nice Mac app for that. Um, if you like hot takes, I'm R00K on Twitter. Uh, and I put a podcast out pretty much every week and it's kind of like this one. So if you like this one, you might like that one and it's called the art of product. Maybe check us out. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um, Hey everyone. Thank, thank you for listening. Uh, you can join the conversation on this topic, uh, and review past topics by visiting startup to last.com. If you have questions, contact us on Twitter. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, but Tyler is not. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas. Again, that's startup to last.com. See you next week.